Welcome to Foul Players Radio, your podcast for arts, entertainment, and pop culture. My name is Michael Spedden, your host. Every episode features interesting people with fun, fascinating stories about their journeys in the performing arts. Authors, actors, dancers, writers, musicians, athletes, comics, you name it. Folks who are center stage, backstage, on camera, or behind the scenes. Sit back and listen. Let's have some fun. Foul Players Radio is a production of the Foul Players Group and a proud member of the SJ Network. And welcome back to the Rising from the Ashes edition of Foul Players Radio. My name is Michael Spedden. Today's guest is Matthew Carter. Please welcome Matthew Carter. I mean, John Perry. I mean, uh, Matthew Carter to Foul Players Radio. Matthew and I met each other in October of 2019 on the set of ID Discovery's Dead Reckoning. He's recently released his movie War Angel, The Awakening, based on real-life experiences. He wrote and directed the movie, and it can now be seen on YouTube. He shares his experiences of making that movie, as well as stories of the other productions he's appeared in. We had a great time catching up. You can learn about and support Matthew's 501c3 organization at www.arealdesire.org. And I also included the link in the show notes to watch War Angel, The Awakening. It's available on YouTube. Subscribe for free at www.foulplayersradio.com or listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, Castbox, or Podfriend. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Foul Players of Perryville are now booking murder mystery shows for the late summer and fall of 2021. Indoor or outdoor venues, trains, boats, office parties, fundraisers, or just for the heck of it, 443 600 446 or foulplayersperryville at yahoo.com. Our website is www.foulplayersofperryville.com. And now for the bad joke of the day. I'm trying to get better at these because the last one, I actually got phone calls and letters with death threats. So here goes. A man owned a t-shirt shop, and one day to make things run more efficiently, he went out and bought a t-shirt dyer. No more getting rid of perfectly good shirts that didn't sell because of their color. He could turn a white shirt black, a black shirt white or red or blue or green, all with the push of a button. One day the machine was making some strange noises, so he called the dealer and they told him to bring the machine in for repairs. The man pulled his box truck up to the loading dock and wheeled the dying machine in. As he was driving to the dealer, he passed the butcher shop and saw that they had a sale on turkey. He went in and ordered some cuts of turkey breast to take home for dinner. He decided to put them in the back of the box truck on top of the dyeing machine so they would stay out of the sun and stay nice and cool until he could put them in the refrigerator. He pulled out of the butcher shop parking lot and resumed his trip to the repair shop. Suddenly, he heard a noise in the back of the truck. Apparently, he forgot to secure the back door and the dyeing machine fell out and was rolling the wrong way down the street. A car was driving towards the box truck and swerved out of the way of the machine. The driver of the car's wife looked at him and said, Did you see that? It almost hit us. I wonder what it was. Her husband looked at her and said it was breast cuts coasting on a broken dyer. I am so sorry. 
We'll be back with Matthew Carter right after these words. Howdy, it's Matt Gwynn here, popping in to let you know about the adventures of the albino rhino. It's a show, uh, Frank the Giraffe here, my host James Godwin, and myself put on for you guys twice a week. Uh, every Wednesday, we talk to a comedian, and every Friday, we call it Freaky Friday. The show itself is not safe for work, and that freak is definitely a different word. I just don't know what podcast you're going to be listening to this promo on. And I don't want to, uh, you know, start screaming explicatives while you're sitting in your office. If you're lucky enough to have been able to go back to the work that you did before inside of an office or whatever, you know, but we go on a, an adventure twice a week and it's a good time because we get to sit down and talk to some really cool people. Uh, and I enjoy it because, you know, I'm just curious little albino who uh, likes to get to know folks, you know? You can find us a couple ways, actually multiple ways, really. Man, there's a lot of different ways to find us. You can find us through our central hub, which is www.albinorhino.me. It's the website you can find me on. And then, you know, the podcast, you can find the videos on YouTube. Search for Adventures of the Albino Rhino, also linkable from our website. And you can also find us through Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Spotify. That's right. We're on the same place Joe Rogan is. Granted, we're not we're not the Joe Rogan experience, but you know what I mean? We're there. We're there. So give us a listen. Promise you won't be promise you won't be dissatisfied. And enjoy your day. going on minions mike here for misery point radio and you're listening to the coast to coast power hour on the sj network now i know what you're thinking mike what the f is a coast to coast power hour well my uneducated and uninformed friend the coast to coast power hour is a board like collective of epic podcasters from epic podcasts that have all come together to discuss the important things in life pop culture current events random awesomeness stuff like that trust me you need this in your life for more information on this show and all the shows on the coast to coast power hour as well as on the sj network reach out to publicist steve joiner at www.s-j-network.com or steve sj network at gmail.com no need to thank me i'm just out here you know changing lives What's Your Effin' Binge is a podcast brought to you by Chris, Anchor, and Spotify. And what we talk to our guest about is what they're currently binge-watching on TV. And uh, what we do is we like to uh, take a different approach. I don't want to know what the name of the show is that they're going to talk about before they come on. I have to actually guess it. 
So I ask them who, what, when, where, why, and uh, try to figure out what it is that they're watching. A lot of times I'm able to guess it, and sometimes I'm not. And that's fine. That adds to the comedy of the show. We like to bring our guest on, whether they're a model or an actress or a producer or musician, and just let them have a platform to be able to tell everybody what they have coming up next and also entertain everybody with what's worth watching. So I hope everybody tunes in for the next episode of What's Your Effin' Binge. Thanks. It's Chris. Welcome to Foul Players Radio, folks. Tonight, I have a fellow on here that I worked with. His name's Mr. John Perry. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, Mr. Matthew Carter. Um, <laughs> we worked together <laughs> about a year or so ago on an ID Discovery show. Welcome, Matthew. It's great to have you, buddy. Finally glad to catch up with you, I'd like to say, too, because we've been talking, we've been bantering back and forth on Facebook ever since that job. Yes. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, we definitely built a good relationship since that show. I should say starting the day of the show, we, we seem to really connect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had, we had a good time there. You know, uh, the one thing is, is that it seems like every job you go to, you always meet some really nice people. And that's, that's really, you know, the one thing I enjoy about performing, you know, when you go to places, you know, whether, you know, especially doing you know, the professional jobs, you always really meet some nice people. And I, I enjoy people, you know, I'm a talker. I like to meet people and just, you know, it, just hear about what people are about and get to know people and make friends. And, you know, that, that's, you seem like that kind of guy too. I definitely am. Yeah. I, I like to network with people, talk with people. Because I know everybody has a story and mm -hmm. it's good to talk with people to see what their story is and how yours connect with theirs. So you can kind of just mm -hmm. see the future is going to take you. So we met on the ID Discovery show, Dead Reckoning, on that set. It was October of 19, I believe, correct? Was it October? I think it was early oh, October. Oh. Yeah. And it was one of the shows, as we all know, on ID Discovery, a lot of the shows on their deal with reenacting a murder uh, that has happened and you usually have your choice of whether your neighbor did it your sister did it they have so many different titles you know uh twisted sisters and the nightmare next door and i married an axe murderer or whatever and so ours was called dead reckoning so tell us about your part my part i was the uh the local town hero the hero cop that mm -hmm. helped put the pieces together with this young lady who seemed to be somewhat in distraught as she <laughs> tried to make us leave. Her husband had been killed. So it was very interesting. He had a twin brother and all of that, you know, and to, to find it actually took place in Georgia. Cause I actually used to live in Georgia. I lived yeah. there for 11 years. And it's really crazy that you don't hear about these things until you actually see these shows to actually find out stuff like this is happening really mm -hmm. close to you. Yeah, I know. I know. I've seen some things that have happened, like in my hometown. I mean, some things that I remembered and then some things that I didn't know about, but I was absolutely horrified <laughs> to find that that was going on. Were you born in Georgia? No, I was actually born in Daytona Beach, Florida. I moved oh, okay. when I was 23. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're originally from Florida yes. and then, you know, to Georgia. Now you're living up in the big apple area. Yeah, but I'm getting ready to migrate back to Atlanta next year. Mm -hmm. 
You know, there's a lot of work down there. Apparently, you know, Atlanta or Georgia has gotten to be really film and production friendly, apparently. It seems like there in Tennessee, it just seems like there's so much going on. It is, but I also feel like because I'm wanting to create my own projects, even though I played the cop, all you see is my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go ahead and create projects so people can see more than my mouth and I'll be able to tell my story. And I'm I'm feeling Atlanta would definitely be the best place for me to do that. Plus, Mm -hmm. learned so much here in New York. I want to be able to take it back to my family and friends there and just build who I started with for those who are really serious and passionate like I am. Yeah, well, that's that's great. And it really seems like it's getting to be a hotbed down there. I know a number of people that I've just met through Facebook and through networking and things like that. And every time I look on there, I see, you know, I'm in Atlanta working on this and working on that. And, you know, there were a lot of productions going on in Maryland for a number of years, but then, you know, it, they just kind of stopped doing it. Or seems like they kind of Atlanta's getting to be the place to go here. Well, best of luck to you with that and everything. Now, you know, you're looks like your pride and joy here. The thing I really see you talking a lot about has been your project. And look at that smile. This guy's grinning ear to ear talking about this war angel, war angel. And I watched the movie and very interesting, very interesting story and everything. Tell us about that project. War angel. uh, That's my alter ego. And the story itself is literally based off my personal experiences It's based off things I've physically been through dreams or visions about. And I decided to just go ahead and make one universe and combine a lot of my experiences in one story, in in one realm, I should say, to share with people because you never know what someone else is going through. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with, you know, everyone has a story. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like if if we're silent with a lot of stuff we've experienced and gone Mm -hmm. through, we're, we're not going to be able to help people who may be going through those same things. And they may also feel like they're the only ones dealing with a particular situation. So I, I prayed about it and it was a lot of, a lot of things presented to me that kind of, you know, helped guide me to create uh, this story or create the project war angel to actually be able to, to help people dealing with certain situations, especially like diagnoses or I should say I survived certain things that killed other people. And I feel like I survived for a reason. So War Angel was born. That could be why you're here with us. You know, that could be why, you know, everybody has their purpose in life. And, you know, that could be what your mission turned out to be. And and that's good. It, it's, you know, you're telling a story in this movie. And it, I think it's something that, you know, could, you know, bring people to be more compassionate and, you know, really kind of have an understanding, you know, when you, you know, giving people an opportunity to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and see things through a different set of eyes. And I, I thought you told the story very well. I thought you told the story very well uh, from watching it myself. And you did that in Atlanta, didn't you? Or I did. Yeah. Yes. And it was amazing because um, as it's also a novel, I, as War Angel, the Awakening is the first part of the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I turned it into a novel and I uh, self-published that through Amazon platform and then other uh, book companies or companies like Barnes and Nobles, uh, Books a Million, you know, they kind of saw it and they decided to put it on their platforms as well. Mm. And after sharing the story on the novel, I decided to go ahead and and create the film to be able to tell the story for people who couldn't read, uh, to be able to reach more people, I should say. And people in Atlanta, they heard about it. 
I didn't realize the impact I was making on people. And I guess it's because I was helping so many people. Mm-hmm. So they, they wanted to give back and they were like, you know, we want to help you put this together. So come on down here and we'll let you use whatever you need to take this and make this happen. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. And um, I guess, you know, was this helpful to a lot of maybe young people that may be going through this kind of thing? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, especially the book. Um, I've had so many people, a lot of strangers have been reaching out to me um, and, and showing and sharing how they've shared the story with their teenage nephews or brothers. Um, some even with their fathers and friends starting as young as 12 years old. And they said that the story really changed the life of those kids because a lot of them were on the verge of suicide and actually read the story. It kind of gave them reason to live, especially were diagnosed with like HIV and AIDS. They said they felt like they had a hero fighting for them because they were afraid to to talk about what they were dealing with. And they feel like someone's fighting for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, it's good that you were able to really reach some people and help them out through this and gave people some hope and, you know, let them know that they're really not alone when they have these issues in life. Great. I'm, I'm really glad to hear this, that, you know, it, it's had a lot of positive impact on people. How was making it? You know, you, you had some really good people in the movie, I thought, you know, some really strong performances for some people. And um, so were a lot of the folks that you cast in the movie, people that you had worked with in the past, or did you kind of go fresh when it came to casting? When very fresh, I would say a few of them are people who I know. But for the most part, everyone was fresh. And when I did the casting process, I used a, a platform called uh, Actors Access. And I, I, I did a lot of screening. I had to make sure that people had the right heart um, when it came to working on this project. Because for me, writing the story was very difficult because I had to revisit a lot of, a lot of moments that were very painful for me. Mm-hmm. So it actually turned out to be very therapeutic for me. And I started to realize the people who I was really connecting with, with the roles that I was giving these people, it was people who were actually experience what they were auditioning for. So it wasn't really an audition. For them, it was kind of like me revisiting that moment in, that, in their life, or it simply felt like the story was speaking to them and they just wanted to be a part of it because they wanted to help share the message. And those were the kind of people that I actually cast it to actually play the parts that they got. You were also the, the you wrote it and you also directed it and uh, you were in you know, the majority of the scenes. And of course, you with it, you being the protagonist and everything, what was it like, you know, kind of directing yourself? I mean, did you have to like, you know, shoot, run around to the camera, watch it again and do that? <laughs> or, um, <laughs> And it, it, the funny thing is, it wasn't even supposed to be that way. I was just supposed to be the actor. Mm-hmm. After being the writer, I was just supposed to be the actor. But the people who uh, promised that they can help together as far as directing it, they I, I come to find out that they were actually trying to steal the story um, mm-hmm. as some people in the entertainment industry do. And uh, they couldn't do it because they had already copyrighted and you know protected everything. So... I was finding it very difficult because I didn't have the money uh, to pay anyone who I felt probably had the experience and, you know, no one else knew me. I'm some guy, nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. So I stayed on and God said, uh, go ahead and and, and take the helm, Mm -hmm. learn how to do this stuff anyway, because you need to understand how people actually, you know, operate in these positions so you can have respect for them. And I ended up connecting with, uh, 
someone who I worked with on another project who wanted to actually be the camera guy. He wanted to be the main camera person. And I had a couple other people who wanted to help co-direct, but I did do a lot of, <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so burnt out by the end of all of this because I was running from behind the camera back into the camera. I didn't have a stand in. So it was, it was difficult, but at the same time, it was something that I was very passionate about when it came to sharing this story. So my fire was burning and I had the energy to burn. Right. To done. <laughs> oh, plus two, you were laying down in the movie a lot too. I noticed that you had to like jump up and run over and then come back and get yourself in the same. You probably had a lot of like uh, script supervisors or continuity people, you know, making sure the blanket was just right when you lay back down and all the, you know, I, I know people that do that. I've had them on here as guests to talk about a day in their life. That can you know, be a lot of work too sometimes. huh? It was the right people that was coming into play because one of the um, actresses who was playing, they play a role. She turned out to uh, actually have her own theater company. So she wanted to be my assistant and she was there every day. It, I just had a great team of people that just, it just really came together. A friend of mine who's uh, into uh, fashion, he connected me with a celebrity chef who donated his services to make sure everyone was fed. So God really just, I don't know what other people believe, but <laughs> really just brought the right people to make sure everything was done. And, it, it took a lot of pressure off of me, but I still had a lot of pressure on me because it was my vision and I had to ensure that it was told the way I was directed to tell it. You were getting a good bit of recognition for it as well. Some good positive recognition. Tell us about that. Yes, it won so many film festivals and I was blown away by that because again, in the beginning of me doing this and I'm telling people I, I can't find anyone to help me, I'm going to have to just do everything myself. I don't want to, but it has to get done. And everyone's telling me, don't do it because it's going to look like crap. It's, it's like, it's, it's going to be the worst thing ever. I said, I'm still going to do it. And next thing I know, War Angel is winning the wars and it's getting in all these different film festivals and it's being screened here at movie theaters. And I'm like mind blown about that. And those same people started come, coming to me and say, hey, can I be in the next one? <laughs> Because of the attention, like right now it's on YouTube mm -hmm. as over 32,000 views. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. That that's, that's where I watched it. I think that's great that you're getting good recognition for this and everything. And it's getting you know seen out in the public. You know, I mean, you're, you're a fairly young guy and you've got a lot of career left ahead of a lot of times people would put in. With this being such, you know, like so close to your life experiences, you know, it, this almost seems like for some people it would be almost like a magnum opus, you know, they're, you know, the big thing they do at the end of their life to tell their story. That's when a lot of people's biographies come out, but this was something, you know, when, when you're pretty much in the prime of your career and, you know, doing very well, you know, you told this one, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's probably going to be tons of great, more great stuff coming out of you you know, you know, from here on out with what you're doing and everything, but you know, I think it's awesome. You're getting such good recognition and feedback. I mean, I, and I bet probably when you were taking your film, you know, you edit, you, I mean, you probably spent so much time in front of this thing, editing it. Yes. Sure. This is right. And that's right. And you probably second guess the hell out of yourself. Well, I second guess the all like, even right now, I'm like, I need, I need to fix so much. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, and that, that's only natural because, you know, before I got into acting, I was in bands, you know, I was always a band, you know, a band guy here in Maryland for, you know, nearly 30 years. And 
I, you know, I hear recordings that I did years ago and I'm like, we could have taken, we could have done one more take on that or something. Mm. It's only natural, you know, that you would you know, think that sometimes you know, you're always just like, Ugh, you know, but you know, the good recognition speaks for itself, but I could just, I could just kind of see or understand for you. Like the first time I let a friend of mine hear a CD or the first time we would submit our songs to radio stations that had like a local band hour, you know, you always wonder what the feedback is going to be like, you know, you always wonder if if the first time it premiered for you, you probably wondered if, you know, you were going to get the heroes welcome, or if you're going to get pelted with rotten tomatoes walking out of the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes, I did. And it was so crazy because when it finished playing, the room was silent. And I said, oh, my gosh, they hated it. Mm-hmm. And I, I turned around to look. To, just like you said, getting ready for the to be stoned to death. And all I saw was tears in everyone's eyes. And they said, I, I, I got scared because no one, they said, well, we couldn't say anything. We were so speechless. We was, we, that was like, we felt every emotion. And we're like, we don't know what to do now other than just try to hold you because we felt the energy mm-hmm. and it was, yeah, it was amazing. I bet it was a relief for you. And I bet it felt even better when you kept getting more and more recognition and the awards and things like that. A lot of Laurel Leafs on your page. <laughs> it was. and But the funny thing is I said it, it was really more so not the recognition, but the fact that the recognition was going to allow the story to get attention. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not about the recognition. It's more about the story getting told, Uh you know, and I think that's why I'm really excited because I feel like it's starting to reach people more. And the more people it continues to reach, the more healing it can do and and, and the good it can do. And and that's what really makes me excited. All the best to you with that thing. I was, uh, like I said, very happy for your success. You know, I enjoy reading your, your feed every day when you, you know, when, whenever you got good news about the movie and thing, it was always just great to hear. I was like, Hey, I know that guy, you know, <laughs> he was the headless cop to my, uh, blurred out red shirt from across the room. It is funny. Cause I know the second, the second part of the story was, it was supposed to be a movie, but it got so long. And I guess that's why I had to start now because I've been through so much. So I better start now because I got so much to share and I ended up going to turn that into a mini series. So maybe I'll be able to put you in that. So you're not just a blurred red shirt. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you know, what was interesting was, um, somebody was sitting there and they took off their glasses. You know, they, they were outside and their glasses fell off that they were kind of sweating. Their glasses fell off and I was wearing a red shirt and they said, Hey, excuse me. Aren't you the guy from dead reckoning? Are you serious? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> because I went back to being the big red blur, you know? So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, you, you know what? I, I, I get recognized for the Wentworth commercial all the time. You know, I was at a bull roast last year. That, that's a Maryland thing. In case you didn't know, I mean, maybe, I don't know if they have them in the South too, but it's it, a bull roast is where you go and, you know, they roast the side of a bull, you know, over a pit. Yeah. They don't do that in the South. Yeah. And you know, you eat the, and they have, sometimes it's like a bull and oyster roast where they have, you know, you get beef and you get oysters and then all kinds of sides and fixings and all that stuff. And so I'm just there at a bull roast and I'm eating, you know, these guys come over, they're like, you're that guy. And I'm like, Oh geez, what did I do? They're like, you're, you're the commercial, right? You're the, you're the Viking, the JG Wentworth Viking. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. And then they came over, they wanted selfies and all that stuff. And 
I thought I was going to get beat up or something, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things, but great. This is just absolutely wonderful to see. You know, I did see that you had some of your, uh, you did have it listed on your IMDB page, a TV mini series that you're, I guess that is in the planning stage or in the works, correct? Yes. That's, that's the next uh, part to war angel. It's, it's, War Angel the Awakening is the first part, and the next part is War Angel Inner Demons. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, wonderful. So I'm looking through your page here, and I see you know, quite a few other cool projects you've been involved with here. I see uh, the, uh, I didn't happen to catch the episode of The Blacklist, but I see that you've been in it. Um, who did you work with on that? Did you get a chance to uh, work with James Spader or anybody else on the show? It was it was quite a few people that day, um, and I was just one of the people helping with the tech guys, so I kind of got like a featured role. I, it wasn't speaking, but it was like featured role, so I have people screen shot and, and sending me the pictures I'm, I'm standing there with my hand on my chin trying to figure out what he's doing mm-hmm. computer before they blow up the building <laughs> i tell you the, a lot of buildings getting blown up in that oh show. a lot of people getting blown up and I, i've been i've worked with some people i've auditioned for that show a couple of times but i never quite got it but i did i've worked with some people that were on that show and they said it's a great experience you know they really great place to work some other ones i was looking at too i noticed that nurse jackie you played a surgeon yeah i I had a few things with nurse jack surgeon and and most of the time it was one of the patients coming into the hospital Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was actually the first acting gig i had after moving to new york oh okay okay Uh, i see that another one that you did uh goosebumps was that a uh was that the like the kids horror series goosebumps yeah, they made a movie out of it, and they filmed that in Atlanta. So I was one of the frozen victims that got hit by some some creature that came out of the out of the book. <laughs> Jack Black, <laughs> he's he's crazy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's wild. Yeah, I see that. And yeah, you so you got to do that when that was filmed in Atlanta. And there's a bunch of other ones that you have too. Are there any of them that stick out to you, like as a favorite, or you really had a fun story from? Bessie. Bessie was one of my favorites. Oh my gosh. That's really, Bessie's going to always be my favorite because that's what really helped War Angel to actually be created. I was working background on that for three days Hmm. and they called me the next day and asked me to come back. And I was like, I'd love to come back. I I really had a good time working with Queen Latifah, you know, and a few other people. Uh, they say, yeah, uh, but we don't want you to do background. We want you to stand in for Michael Williams. Hmm. It's just for the day. So I was like, okay, I'm getting ready to move to New York. I had a, a Greyhound ticket, but I think I can change it. So I changed the ticket. It was just supposed to be one day I was standing in. Hmm. Come to find out, they were just testing me. And they really liked me. And they hired me to work the entire film project. Oh. And they fired me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, after wow. we wrapped, <laughs> after we wrapped, the director came up to me. She said, "You, you're serious about being an actor, aren't you?" Because they asked me to do some of the stunt stuff because they forgot to have a stunt double uh, for him as well. And I said, "Oh yeah, I'm definitely looking to um, to be an actor." You know, she said, "Well, something's telling me to tell you to write. Are you a writer?" I said, "No." <laughs> she said, "Well, something's telling me to tell you to write and build your own team." Interesting. Enter the War Angel. You said people had were trying to steal the story from you. It, we we have a whole we're in a whole industry of thieves. 
anything creative out there. I hear comedians talking about it all the time, how people are always ripping off their material. You know, some comedians have reputations for being joke stealers and whatnot. Mm. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story here. You might get a kick out of you. Know, I was in a band about 30 years ago and we were fairly popular in the mid Atlantic region. And, um, you know, the band disbanded and all of a sudden, 30 years later, I'm seeing our t-shirts on eBay with all this Chinese writing around them. And I was like, somehow the design of our t-shirts that haven't been on the market for 30 years got to China. Wow. And well, I bought one because I, you know, I kind of outgrew mine over the years and I have it downstairs, but I was like, how the hell did they get that? And I'm just wondering who could have given it to them. You know, I mean, that, that's just, <laughs> I guess people will find a way to steal something any way they can. And, and how am I going to find somebody in China to get any recourse on this too? You know? <laughs> right. And I guess that's the hard part when you get in a different country. Um, Cause there's nothing you can really do about it. I don't think. Not much, not much. I mean, you know, how am I going to find anybody over there and, you know, how can I even trust the authorities in that country to get me the right person? <laughs> right. And that might be where John Perry is. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it could be. Oh my God. I tell you that that's another thing. That's another dangerous thing too. Um, you know, people you know, impersonating each other online and, you know, um, it was really funny. You know, one of the people I starred with on a television show, um, and this was really weird. Somebody made a fake profile of them. And um, the thing that was really weird was you know, I started following them and they would talk about things that happened on set. And they had all this like backstage footage and everything from autograph shows. And you, you would hear about this person making an appearance and you would see, you know, so I thought it was them. You know, I mean, who, how else would they get that? And it turned out that was fake. And I'm like, man, if somebody will go through that, those lengths just to pretend to be somebody else and really get no gain out of it. I think there's some pretty sick people out there, you know? I think it's crazy. I say, you know, and, and at the same time, I said, you know what? Maybe they'll help me become yeah, <laughs> more yeah. well-known. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you know, or, um, yeah, heck, or you can have another alter ego out there. That could be uh, your evil twin. <laughs> you have a show Blame War everything Angel. on them. Yeah, War Angel, the <laughs> evil twin, the John Perry or Matthew Carter. And uh <laughs> Matthew comes out of the heavens as the War Angel coming after John Perry. There we go. There we go. Don't rip that off. Don't be a thief and steal that one. <laughs> no, you know, I, I can't. And it's crazy because I know a lot of my friends and they're writing and they're submitting their um their scripts or whatnot to these different so-called contests, and they wonder why they never get picked up or why they never win or, you know, these contests. And I asked them, I said, do you copyright it? And they say, no. I said, well, that's why. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I know. Are just ways to steal stories from people. Mm-hmm. I know that. And that's a thing too. You know, a lot of people out there just don't properly copyright their things because there's so many ways that people can just get a hold of it. And um, believe me, if you don't know how to do it correctly, there are plenty of people out there that do and they will. That's a fact. That's a fact. So tell me, um, did you, you know, before you got into, you know, uh, you know, movies and television and everything like that, did you have any, did you do any kind of theater growing up or when you were younger? 
I did. My first um, stage play was when I was in the third grade and it was a school play, uh, Christmas play. And I was the elf (laughs) 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 that the reindeer (laughs) were were trying to get away. Um, And it was, I I would say, I I wanted to pursue um, a career as an actor after that because I really had fun, you know, the experience. And I think for me, just being an actor, it allows me to walk in the shoes of another person. So that's something else I really enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding people and the different lifestyles and different, you know, cultures and a lot of different things with people. Mm-hmm. But I was dissuaded um, from pursuing the career from a lot of people in the Pentecostal church that I was attending because they told me that that was a form of lying. And I was destined to be a pastor and I couldn't do that because I would be living a life of a lie. Huh. Um, so that really kind of, you know, I, I, I didn't pursue it because I was listening to these people that I was told to listen to in this Pentecostal church. Then starting as that. Um, but I started getting back into theater after I moved to Atlanta because huh. a lot of churches were wanting to do, you know, plays and they started to show me that it's okay to actually pursue a career as an actor and I remember one play I did. We were supposed to do it at this major, <laughs> at this major theater, and it was called "The Day That Jesus" or "The Misconception of Love." And we were all sitting down, supposed to be eating the crackers that was representing the body and drinking <laughs> juicer. <laughs> and we passed. We started to pass a tray that was completely empty. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to grab air, air pieces of. Of, of, of crackers <laughs> and eat air right. big audience watching us like what are they eating there's nothing there <laughs> i know uh sometimes you got to do that that's a good spinal tap moment right there too <laughs> you know just like you I, I had a little bit of a background in theater but i got out of doing that when i was i did some plays and things like that when i was a kid you know one of the things i did i did a christmas play too was one of my earliest things and it was the uh, you know the christmas story you know out of the bible it was a, it was like the sunday school christmas pageant and i played joseph i played joseph and i had mary with me and we had the scene where joseph and mary go up to the inn and knock on the door and when I knocked on the door, I did that dent, 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 dent knock. <laughs> you know how people do that. And the whole place cracked up, and my father was taking gas. Oh, <laughs> and boy, did I hear about that. He's like, what's wrong with you? Joseph wouldn't have knocked on the door like that back then. So I, I did a little bit more of it, but then I got more interested in playing sports and things like that. After I got you know injured and couldn't continue with sports, I got into music, and that's kind of how I say mm. this. But yeah, there's all kinds of, there's always funny stories about kid plays, <laughs> you know, um, things that happen. And, you know, there's you, you may as well plan for a disaster every time or something happening every time you do one of those, you know? Definitely. Oh, my gosh. It's, and even the church plays anyway, because a, a lot of the church plays I did, it was people who've never acted before. So, you know, you're going to always have somebody that's going to freeze or something. Something's bound to happen. Do you have any other moments from theater maybe you'd want to share? <laughs> Well, not necessarily from theater, but I would say definitely from the modeling when um, we were walking on the runway and the the runway was not put together correctly. Oh, man. And yeah, I don't know if you remember the uh, viral video about 
Precious takes a tumble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh my yeah oh gosh oh man the something and, and the thing is with something like that good grief that that, that could be catastrophic too you know um, it can't be a good thing that the stage wasn't too high off the ground right 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 i had another one i'll, I'll share with you the first play that i did you know from um you know from playing music to getting into acting um it was 10 years ago, actually this month, I got the part and it was when I met, actually, I met my wife, the lady who became my wife, who is not now my wife, Jesus Christ, superstar. And I got cast as one of the apostles. And then I got cast as the Roman that did the 39 lashes. Okay. So, um, you know, couple of performances in it was like i guess about an eight week run it was a long one you know you get to the part where we put jesus up on the gallows and you know here comes you know one two and i'm whipping them and we're going then for some reason the whole thing fell over and this was theater in the round too it wasn't theater up on a stage it wasn't chrysanthemum style so jesus is laying there on the floor and it was on like 18. I had to keep beating them for another 21 times. And then, um, so I did it. And then I went back over to the spot where I was supposed to stand at attention. And then pilot comes down and does his thing. So I look over at Jesus and pilot. Jesus is still laying on the ground. And I noticed that the bottom of his sandal said hush puppies. <laughs> and, um, it was, it wasn't, you know, if you would have looked at them from the top, they looked like the per- most perfect Jesus sandals you could see. But um, he had the old Hush Puppies logo on the bottom of them. <laughs> and, you know, no one covered that up. <laughs> yeah, I had no way to cover it up, you know. You know, other than that, you know, I mean, because all the other times he would have been kneeling where the feet would have been down and stuff like that. Right. You know. <laughs> oh man, but that's where your improv skills come in because there's probably been, you know, there's so many times when somebody is, uh, you know, something goes wrong up there, and you've got to, you know, you got to have somebody put their hand on the wheel and get that car, you know, that's, you know, doing three sixties and spinning off into the median strip back on the road, you know? Oh my gosh. Yes. And you just reminded me. Um, Cause I know I remember another play I was doing. It was a, it was, you know, one other church play we did it and I was doing two roles. I played the role of Peter and also the role of Satan. Oh, and man. then they do Judas. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to hang myself. <laughs> right, right, right. And the noose, it, it fell. So I had to kind of stand on my tippy toes to try to pretend like I was still. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Because the part that was supposed to hide all of that started showing. I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, you just got to improv and make the best of it, you know? I mean, that's all you can do in those situations. (laughs) I just kind of had to use my hand to kind of pull the rope to make it tight again because it just dropped out of the sky. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, geez, that's too much. That's too much. Oh, man, it's just... You yep. went from a drama to a comedy. <laughs> I know. I know. And sometimes if you're able to keep your cool, people in the audience aren't going to remember or notice it really. 
you know, is if you just keep going with something, you know, it's like when you get that panic look on your face is when they start to realize something is up. <laughs> well, I think that moment actually made them laugh harder because I kept it serious. And it was like, he's really acting like we don't see him pulling the rope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mm, man. <laughs> oh geez you know um have you ever done commercials or any voiceover or any any foray into that kind of performing i've done a, i've done a couple commercials i've not really done any voiceovers um as of yet i didn't even see myself as a voiceover actor until i was a flight attendant and all the passengers just come to me and say i should do voiceover uh, because of how I was talking over the PA. But I've done a couple commercials. One of them was for Gilead. It was a, a HIV awareness commercial inspiring people to actually live and, and actually understand that they, they do have options. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I think that they've really come a long way with that, too. I mean, I can remember, I grew up in the 80s when it was first announced that that was even you know out there you know, and uh, nobody knew much about it. And it seemed like, you know, just a lot of people were really dying from it in a relatively short amount of time. And then now, um, you know, over the years, you see, oh, you have a fellow like Magic Johnson, you know, who's survived it for about 30 years now. So I guess there's always new treatments and they're always doing research on it. You know, I, I guess, you know, there are plenty of things that people can do to have a quality life, even under those circumstances. Oh, definitely. It's been about 14 years for me. Um, since I've been, you know, so I was diagnosed in, in um, 2000, 2007. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I again, War Angel, I, I decided to uh, go ahead and move forward and say yes to um, me being asked to share the message. Because for one, a lot of people see it as a, a death sentence. There are a lot of people ignorant to the fact that when they hear somebody has it, the first thing they say is that they're sick, especially in the South, I should say anyway. I'm doing my best to educate people when it comes to HIV or AIDS. Um, also, people feel like it's, it's a, a punishment from God. There's so many stigmas that's kind of with that that I want to kind of highlight and also, you know, kind of just do away with these stereotypes that a lot of people have, have succumbed to by me, you know, sharing the story War Angel. And then most importantly also is a lot of people feel like God doesn't love them for those who do believe in God. You know, and that was one of the important messages I was told to share to let people know God does love you. You know, if you're wanting, you know, to to allow him back into your life, he does love you. Stop listening to what people are saying when it comes to that, you know, and do your best to to his voice. And for those who don't believe in God, you know, or anything like that, at least let them know that they do deserve to be loved and that they can be loved and that they can live a normal life. You just have to be ready to do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, find out what we can do together. So because it's, it's just a lot of depression that comes with that. It's a lot of things that come with that. So, mm-hmm. again, I survive to be able to help people who want to be helped and give them perspective as best as I can so they can see the light. Sure, sure. Well, it sounds like you're really doing a lot of fine things uh, for people, you know, through your art, through your work, through your outreach. It's really nice to hear. It's very inspiring. And, um, you know, hey, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm very happy for you. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm glad you're able to uh, use your creativity. And th- I think we were all put here. And, and what I mean by this, where I'm kind of going with this is that, you know, I act, I play music, you know, I do podcasting and things like that. 
I create because I have to. It's not because I want to. I have to. And I have to keep going and I have to create something, even with this crazy pandemic. It's a part of me. And this really sounds like it's a big part of you and even probably why you're here, why you were even put here, you know? Definitely. You know, and and, and that's what one of the things I kind of share is like at first when I first got my news, I was like, God, why me? And he said, why not you? You know, you told me you can handle this and and I know you can handle this. So let's handle it. And that's what I'm doing, you know. It's something I feel like I have to do as well. But of course, it's something I want to do. You know, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I mean, I really enjoy, I really enjoy sharing and inspiring people and helping them bridge to safety. You know, it is, it is, it's exciting. I mean, I never saw myself years ago in the position I'm in right now. I never thought I would ever be here. It was kind of a dream and a wish that I never thought would really happen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, happening and i guess that's why john perry decided to create (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's a a sign that i'm growing (laughs) right 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 well well again i'm really happy for you i'm really happy for you that these things are working out for you and you're able to help people and inspire people to do the things that they're doing and everything and, and keep it up and keep it up. So at this point of the show, I've kind of like to give people an opportunity to shamelessly plug anything they would like to shamelessly plug and be as shameless as they want to be with all, with no shamelessness being spared. So you're on that. You go right ahead, buddy. Well, I'm going to shamelessly plug in that not only am I helping people with the War Angel story, I'm also helping people with financial services. If they feel like their finances is just in disarray, they want to pull them together. I've got my license to be able to help people pull that together. I do what's called a financial needs analysis free of charge so I can find out what people need, give them the service that they need to be able to actually plan for retirement or just if they're in retirement, make sure that they're living in retirement comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to shamelessly plug that they can follow me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash all about Matt. They can also find my nonprofit organization, A Real Desire on Facebook, or go to the website for the organization, www.arealdesire.org. I am also creating my film projects to help grow this nonprofit organization which is going to be a performing arts school, which is also going to be a foster care for teenagers once I move back to Atlanta. It's a 501c3 already. I want to shamelessly plug if they want to follow me on Instagram at war.angel.reborn. And look, sometimes I share stuff to inspire people. Sometimes I share stuff to just make people smile. So I just want to be here to help you and put a purpose to your life like I have to mine. Well, wonderful. Well, wonderful. Well, Matthew, it's been wonderful having you on the show tonight to share your stories and to talk about all your great works. It's been nice getting to know you since we met each other on the set of ID Discovery, too. And um, again, I've enjoyed, you know, uh, bantering with you and, you know, goofing off back and forth on Facebook and, you know, getting the opportunity to talk to you tonight. So thank you again for being here, Matthew. Thank you for inviting me. And I definitely enjoy the conversations that we have as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, you've been listening to Matthew Carter and John Perry on here on uh, foul players radio. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.